Live from the WLIWFM studio in Southampton, New York, on Thursday, September 14th, 2023, I'm Gianna Volpe. American Cruise Lines, which specializes in coastal and river cruises on small ships with a capacity of about 100 mature and affluent passengers, has included the village of Sag Harbor on it, the itinerary of its Yankee Seaports cruises, which are scheduled two-way anchor next spring. Stephen J. Coates reporting on 27East.com that the company's plans have caught village officials off guard with those interviewed saying they were only just learning about them via the local rumor mill. Quote, I'm not going to make any special accommodations for them, said Mayor Tom Gardella, who questioned if the company planned to tie up at Long Wharf or drop anchor out in the bay and ferry passengers to shore. If the latter option, he suggested there may be little he could do to stop them, comparing them to the many charters that visit the harbor each summer. Quote, how am I going to stop people from coming into the village, he asked, suggesting it would be about as easy preventing cars from entering the village via Route 114. Harbormaster Bob Borey said he was also just learning about the company's plans, saying it had yet to contact him, quote, How they can advertise without permission is beyond me, he said. The week-long cruises advertised on the company's website, AmericanCruiseLine.com, will depart from Boston and conclude in New York City with stops at Plymouth, Mass., Newport, Rhode Island, New London, and Old Saybrook, Connecticut, and Sag Harbor and Port Jefferson along the way. Nine cruises for next year are scheduled from May 6th to October 21st, 2024, according to company's website. Ticket prices range from $5,030 to $8,010 per person, with all passengers accommodated in state rooms with broad views of the passing scenery. In other news, Suffolk County District Attorney Ray Tierney yesterday announced the indictments of 30 people in a sweeping narcotics case that involved at least one fatal overdose, calling for a death by dealer state law that would allow for felony homicide charges in cases resulting in overdoses. Quote, despite the warnings, despite the carnage, we still get inaction, Tierney said at a news conference at the Arthur M. Cromarty Court Conference Complex in Riverhead. The Suffolk DA was flanked by law enforcement partners in a table that bore some, though not all, the confiscated possessions of the alleged dealers, guns, cash, satchels of cocaine, and an animal sedative called Trank. Police and investigators also confiscated fentanyl as part of the investigation, but said the drug was too lethal to display. Nicholas Spangler reporting on Newsday.com that synthetics like fentanyl, cheap, potent, and often mixed with other drugs like heroin, helped drive opioid deaths in New York State to nearly triple between 2010 and 2020. And in 2021, there were more than 5,800 such deaths statewide, according to a report last year by New York State Comptroller Thomas DiNapoli's office. The latest totals from the health Department uh, here in the state of New York put confirmed opioid overdose deaths on Long Island in 2021 at 699 and 517 in 2022. Looking like it's trending downward, uh, I'm hoping that has something to do with all of the Narcan training and whatnot uh, that all of these great nonprofit organizations and government organizations are doing. Looking at last year's Long Island poverty rate, it was in the single digits, far lower than the national poverty rate, as well as a median household income far higher than the national median, according to U.S. Census Bureau data released yesterday. Yet the region faces challenges in the real estate market, and a large pocket of the the population is in great financial need, some local experts say. Olivia Winslow and Ariel Martinez reporting on Newsday.com that the new data for 2022 also shows the poverty rate among families headed by single mothers on Long Island continues to be higher than the rest of the population. Quote, the economy remains strong. Inflation is coming under control. 
That quote from John Rizzo, an economist and professor at Stony Brook University, who added, I think a big challenge on Long Island is the real estate market. Affordable housing remains a particular problem because inventory in housing is low. Prices are high. Mortgage interest rates are high. There's a shortage of affordable apartment space. This has long-term implications that aren't good. And finally, East Hampton Town and the concerned citizens of Montauk responded to critics of plans to remove invasive plants from a 40-acre Montauk nature preserve with a new pitch that addressed their concerns. Michael Wright reporting on 27East.com that the plans to remove invasive plants from about 16 acres of the 40-acre Benson Reserve would not block beach access at any time, would improve erosion protection on the property, restore the historic condition of the property, and encourage the return of wildlife like endangered monarch butterflies, insects, and rare coastal birds. An ecologist hired by the town told members of the Montauk Citizens Advisory Committee this week, and a Montauk attorney said plans to install temporary fences to corral small goats that would be used to graze away some of the invasive species would not violate the terms of a 1980s legal settlement uh, barring the use of fencing, gates, or berms to impede access to the property, as some have said it would. With a new presentation on the proposal to remove the thick bramble of privet, honeysuckle, and vines that currently line the southern edge of Old Montauk Highway as it approaches downtown Montauk, the consultant who designed the project for the town, NCCOM, said the long-term benefits of restoring the land to native beach grass and shrubs would be many, and the, ne- the negatives few. The project has been forecast to cost about $850,000 in all. A private donor has already pledged some $200,000, and concerned citizens of Montauk has said it plans to raise another 400000 for the effort from the local community. The town of East Hampton is applying for a $260,000 grant to cover some of the costs, but will not contribute any taxpayer dollars to the work. At the end of Monday's meeting, uh, the Montauk Citizens Advisory Committee took a vote on whether to support the town proposal. Just one member voted against it. Four others abstained from the vote and more than a dozen voted in favor. Reading the weather in Garden City in honor of Jessica Dennehy joining us for the Thoughtful Thursday this morning uh, segment this morning. Um, her book is Selfish is a Super Power, looking like a sunny Thursday in Garden City with a high near 77 degrees. North wind around 10 miles per hour, mostly clear tonight with a low around 60 degrees. North wind 9 to 13 miles per hour. Right now it's 67 degrees, and I've got a superpower edition planned for you, Daniel Caesar, Beyonce featuring Frank Ocean before Kirby and Xavier Wright. But first, since the power I feel is the greatest there is, I got a little Huey Lewis in the news to start the playlist. It's the power of love on WLIWFM's Morning and Midnight Show, The Heart of the East End, featuring music from all decades and genres and interviews with folks from all walks of life, all because of you, the listener supporter of Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLIWFM, news you can trust, music you love. Change your heart 
Kicking off the superpower edition of the Heart Morning and Midnight Show with a little Huey Lewis and the news. Feeling the power to kick off the Thoughtful Thursday segment early this morning. Very grateful to Jessica Dennehy, the author of Selfish is a Superpower, for joining us this morning. Good morning, Jessica. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being with us. I'm very excited to talk about your book. When did it drop officially? It officially releases tomorrow. It's available for pre-sale right now, but tomorrow is the release date. So where do we go to pre uh, pre order the book? Barnesandnoble.com, which is, the link is already on my website, jessicadenehy.com. Okay, well we're looking forward. I'm sure that we'll probably be uh seeing you at a signing at Barnes and Noble sometime in the near future. I know they've been doing a lot of uh signings for local authors, particularly in the Riverhead location. So we'll uh stay tuned for some opportunities, unless, do you know uh, if you're going to be doing any signings uh, around the area in uh, the next month or so? My team is working on that right now. Okay, very cool. All right, so we're going we're gonna to get started. Now, divorce, never easy to talk about, but you wisely mentioned that without uh, the divorce from your, your husband, your first husband, you wouldn't be the person you are today. Uh, chapter four opens, quote, it's important to note that without this divorce, I may not have ever found myself. Life is like that when you refuse to make a change necessary to push your life forward. Sometimes life will just come at you hard and try to knock some sense into you, end quote. I love that note because there are so many painful moments out there uh, that were also the beginnings of something beautiful. The actual birth process itself is not without pain, as you and other mothers can attest. But you also talk about the importance of owning's one, owning one's mistakes in order for the good stuff to really come and for the bad stuff in the past to truly dissipate. Do you want to touch on that as we get into it? Absolutely. I mean, I think every amazing moments in our life are normally born out of chaos. And for me, the divorce is definitely that chaotic moment where when I look back on it in retrospect, it kind of all came together for me. And without that, I wouldn't have been able to be the person that you see now. And I think a lot of people, when they, when they talk about their divorces, they often put the blame on everyone else, which is just natural because it's harder to put the microscope on ourselves. So what I wanted to do in this book is not talk about the mistakes we both made because we're 50% of the marriage. So I'm 50% of the problem. And so I kind of go through what I learned were my missteps and how being aware of those and not judging myself for them, but just being like, Hey, that happened. How can I fix it has allowed me to be more strong and aware and happy now. Right. And that's really what I want people to take away from that is, let me show you how I'm not judging myself, but I am trying to get better. Right. But in order to do that, I have to admit where I went wrong in the first you, place, you gotta, which is hard for a lot of people. You, you have to look at it. You have to look at, at your mistakes and recognize them uh, to recognize your uh, your missteps, your shortcomings. You really have to to look at those long and hard in order to get to that next place. I loved hearing you talk honestly about the journey toward a better you. It is lonely and it is long, but one day one looks behind and they see those baby steps have taken them someplace far, far away from where they've been. (laughs) I'll read again. The big revelation for me too was that I wasn't selfish enough, which no one ever says, oh, the problem was I wasn't selfish enough. You know, no one thinks of it that way. And I thought I have to tell people this and make sure we're redefining the word selfish because the reason, in my opinion, that my biggest misstep in the marriage was that I didn't know myself. I had no idea who I was anymore. I got so lost in being a wife, being a mom, being a lawyer, being a career woman. I just lost my sense of identity as Jessica, the person. And in order to retouch on that and, and connect to that again, I really had to focus on me before my kids, before my relationships, before anything, because everything was falling apart when I didn't know who I was. 
And they and people will say, you know, you, you, one can get tricked into this. I'm not giving enough, but when often you're gi- it's giving from an empty cup, that is really the problem all along. Right. And when I first I left Wall Street to forge ahead in the business that my ex-husband and I still own together. And it was only then that I realized I didn't have a sense of self. And I was around my kids a lot because I had left my job and I had my own business so I could do my own thing. But they weren't getting the best version of me. So I was pouring into them, but I wasn't really, I didn't have a lot to give. So I wasn't being the best. I was kind of blah. And what I realized was I'm teaching them blah is okay. Mm. I'm telling them, go get your dreams, but I'm not doing that for myself. I'm telling them to live a happy life, but I'm blah. So how do I take them from blah to blissful? Well, the only way to teach a child something is to show them through example, because we know they don't listen to us, right? (laughs) So they're watching us. So I had to go out and be that example. And by in order to do that, I had to put myself before them, which is so taboo. So, so strangely, you feel guilty, you know, I mean, all the things that parents go through, that's what I was feeling. But when I play Monday morning quarterback, and I see how that actually made my life better and their life better. I thought other parents need to hear this. (laughs) Not just parents, people. Yeah, and I I love you talk. You talked about uh, the mistake people make about confusing one's identity with their jobs or their roles. So whether that be a lawyer or a mother, those are roles and our identity is so much more. And then talking about uh, what you're talking about right now about uh, getting that me time in, I I love the part about waking up early which many uber-successful people will tell you is a superpower unto itself. So let's talk about what simply waking up an hour, just one hour earlier, did for you and uh, as far as your journey toward a better, more successful you. Well, I'll tell you what I do different from all those people you're referring to, because I know this is a big buzzword now, like wake up early, wake up early. I don't wake up early to get stuff done. I wake up early to connect to me. Mm. That's what I do different because that time's for me. It's not for my phone. It's not for social media. It's not to create content. It's not to catch up on emails. It's to sit in the quiet with me and my thoughts because no one's making time for that. That's the scary stuff that everyone tries to avoid because what do we do? We keep ourselves busy so that we don't have to focus on all the things going on in our head. I choose to face that stuff head on by creating this time to think in the morning. So I call it think time where I'm exercising a lot of the time with no podcast, no music, no television, just so I can get my head clutter cleared out. It helps me realize what's going on in there, what's bothering me, why I might have done or acted or said something the day before that didn't go so well. I take time to sometimes read, meditate, do yoga. Like that's my morning routine and it's not for my phone. My phone is nowhere to be found. And I think that that's really been the game changer for me because I would wake up and just do. Wake up, look at my phone, start getting right into it. Mm. And that doesn't help you connect to who you used to be. That helps you continue to identify in a role. Either you get up and you're making your kids lunch, you get up and you're helping your husband or your wife, you get up and you're reading your emails. That's roles. What about you? Who are you without all of that? Because when I got divorced and one role got stripped away from me, I felt lost. I wasn't a lawyer anymore. I had left my job. Now my husband left me. Now who am I? Because when we're identifying through roles, those roles become the end-all, be-all. You want to get to a place where your happiness is because of who you are and what you're doing every day to forge that happiness and continue to fortify it. That's a healthier place. And so that's what I do in the morning. So how important, and other small tips I love and do as well, uh, not taking unscheduled calls. I've really kind of uh, nipped that in the bud this year. Turning off notifications you have not yeah. already done this on your phone, uh, I I don't have many apps, if any, that have notifications still t- turned on, uh, and I can't tell you how how much that's done as far as keeping my focus in the places they need to be. I wanted to hear you talk a bit a bit about group tasking, energy bas- uh, batching, 
and using specific days that are meant for certain tasks and how this has helped really boost your productivity, um, you know, so that you can live a multi-dimensional life. Yeah, I mean, most people leave corporate America because they hate being tied to a schedule that doesn't reflect how they work. And then they go on and build a business and then they do the same thing to themselves that the corporate job is doing to them. The reason I'm at the beach all the time and living a life that allows me to travel a lot and be with my kids a lot and, and go to the beach all the time and play volleyball two nights a week is because I energy batch. So first I turn off all notifications because that's just clutter. And the thing you need to do to be the most productive is declutter your brain, which is what I was talking about with the morning time, right? Just time to settle all those thoughts and actually be aware of them. Then I don't get distracted when I'm trying to focus. The next thing I do that actually helped me get so much done in a short amount of time, I have condensed my work, my work day to like four or five hours max, sometimes less because I take on energy. So if today I'm going to do podcast interviews, I'm going to do them all day. Mm -hmm. I'm already ready to be interviewed. I'm already ready to speak. So I'm just going to continue doing that all day long. And I I make all the appointments back to back. Tomorrow I'm going to write. So that's all I'm doing. I'm going to write a couple chapters in my book. I'm going to write copy for social media. That's where my brain's at. Just going to stay there. That helps me work efficiently because I'm staying in one role for the majority of my day. I'm not getting interrupted by having to pivot away from that and get my other hat on. And I think a lot of people make that mistake of trying to take on too many differing tasks in one day and the brain is just sparking in each direction. If you can just focus that energy into one thing, you can get it done much more efficiently. It's beautiful. I love how organized it is. And and for someone who, for me, has natural issues with focus, uh, organizing things in that way would only help me astronomically. Yeah, you get done. You get so much more done in a short period of time, but you don't feel wiped out because you were only on one task the whole time, if that makes sense. Yes. All right. So uh, I want to talk about the journey again toward uh, that that you've gone through that that you continue to go through i wanted to read again from your book about one of the most important tools and then let you expand as desired awareness is the most powerful tool you can cultivate in your life it's the key that allows you to be a better person parent leader and spouse the only way to gain awareness of self is to be with yourself this year we're talking think time here to sit in that stillness that is painstakingly quiet, to be mundane, routine, and introspective until it no longer becomes uncomfortable. Allow all your insecurities to bubble up to the top so you can face them head on instead of running from them and letting them run you. Uh, You actually talked a little bit about this. You talked about using the morning for those moments where you are thinking about uh, conversations or or, or things that happen that maybe you had wished done you had done differently. It sounds so much healthier to do that then than before you're going to sleep, for example. Um, I wanted to also hear you talk about the importance of faith, intuition, and hope in building a career and uh, going along this journey with yourself and about uh, gratitude and how crucial that is, period. Oh, my. I mean, I could speak on any of those topics for an extended period of time. So let me see what I could do to condense them. Whew, that's a lot. So gratitude is really important to me because I feel like, and it goes hand in hand with awareness. So one of the things that is important about awareness is that it's scary to face what's going on inside of us. But it's a short period of time where we have to face it and and recognize it. And that is way better than allowing it to run our lives forever and ever. And I think that's important to note because even though we're going to let it bubble to the surface and then we actually have to deal with it, that time period we're dealing with it is minuscule in comparison to our lives. One of the silliest things that ran my life was this insecurity 
that because I'm in a man's world, right? First I was at Wall Street, then I'm in business, and business is man is a man's world, even more so when it's barbershops, right? Now I'm consulting with entrepreneurs who are mostly male too. So I'm surrounded by men, and what, unbeknownst to me, what I realized is I was putting on this armor of I need to always be so serious because I'm competing with men, and they're not going to take me seriously if I'm feminine. And so for years, I would build up this wall and this kind of like, you know, boss babe attitude, thinking that I was, you know, showing how strong I am. When really what I was doing was hiding my own insecurity, but I didn't even know that until I wrote this book and thought to myself, you know, my energy is kind of closed off. Like, why are people not approaching me? Why do, why is it harder for me to make these connections? Oh, I'm giving off this standoffish energy because I think that's what I need to be taken seriously. If I wasn't aware, I wouldn't have been able to come to that realization and kind of evolve and so what I did was I evolved I I was like you know what I'm gonna have pink hair I'm gonna I'm gonna be more feminine I'm gonna wear my heels I'm gonna wear my dresses even in the barbershop I'm gonna own who I am and now there's this air of confidence not insecurity that comes along with my demeanor that is approachable but respected whereas before people would just steer clear of me because they weren't really sure like what was going on and I think these moments of clarity are what we need to talk about like you need to get in touch with yourself and realize like why do you do certain things why do you say certain things a certain way why do you use certain language it's deep down rooted in something that's probably something you should work on and there's no judgment there I didn't like give myself a hard time for doing this for years I just observed it and that's the kind of awareness I'm talking about in the book because it helps us build like a stronger confidence and a, a stronger personality that is actually helping us. Right. And I'm really open to people giving me feedback like that in a constructive way because I don't know what I don't know. So if you see something about me that you think, you know, maybe I could work on, I'm always, I don't take that as criticism. I take that as information. Right. Like you tell me something Instead of getting, <clears throat> excuse me, instead of getting angry about it, I think, is that something that's helping me or harming me? Right. You know, I ask a lot of questions. Maybe you don't like that about me. That's cool. But that's something to me that helps me in my businesses. So I'm going to keep it. That just means you and I are not aligned. But if you're telling me that, you know, I curse too much and then I think about that and I'm like, well, yeah, in New York, we use the F word as an adjective. Maybe that's not what I should be doing in business. Or, or all parts Thank of speech. You. Yes. <laughs> Let me, let me change that. You know, that's information that I can use to evolve. So that's how the awareness piece becomes so important, but we can't do that if we're not willing to face those things about ourselves. Thank you so much. Yeah. I packed a lot into one question and it's just because we were getting to the end of the segment and I want to make sure I got it all in, uh, everything that we prepped for the interview about selfish is a superpower because there is so much to take from it. Um, before I let you go, I want to give you just a minute to uh, maybe say a few words about Pivot and Slay, which is your first book. So Pivot and Slay is a book I wrote about me leaving the corporate world and starting my own business in a haphazard way. It wasn't I never really thought that would be like a career path that lasted, but in retrospect, it really turned out to be one of the most amazing learning opportunities that set me up to become a best-selling author and a business consultant and a speaker on stages and, you know, to write this book, the newest book, Selfish is a Superpower. And when I thought about like what to name the book, I thought, man, I've had so many pivots in my life because I love the show Friends and there's that scene where they're moving the couch and yelling the word pivot. So I've always liked that word. And I thought, well, none of that means anything unless you can also succeed. And so I threw the word slay in there. And I think it just really encompasses my entire life. I pivot and then I succeed. I pivot and then I slay. And so that book was my come up story. What I didn't realize is there was another come up on the way. Right. And so that's how Selfish as a Superpower was born because starting my consulting business and my, you know, as a speaker, that kind of side of my business really helped me learn so much more about myself. And I had to really put myself first in order to make that career 
flourish. And I did it at a time where my kids were nervous about me leaving them so much and traveling. And it was really hard for me to make that commitment to myself. So I'm hoping that Selfish is a Superpower will give other people the permission that they need to go out and find what makes them happy and create that happiness every day in their business, in their family, and in their self, not just in one role. I think that the most beautiful part of the story and the book is just the unbelievably positive effect, as you mentioned, it's had on your two daughters. And you are so right that our kids don't listen to us as much as they watch us. And I think it's just so beautiful to see the positive effect that it's had on them and their growing personhood. Uh, grateful to you. Excited for you. Where? What is your website? Where can we go to stay tuned to all your in-person uh, you know, talks and, and readings and whatnot, Jessica. JessicaDennehy.com is my website where you can find me, all my social media handles, my book, everything is on there. It's at Barnes & Noble, like I said, and my social medias are all at the Jessica Dennehy. I am Gianna Volpe. That's Jessica Dennehy. This was the Thoughtful Thursday segment, sliding up Trinic's superpower from the altitude record of 2021. Uh, as I plan that track to lead us out of the segment, we've got hybrid Jake Schillingford and Nick Evans on deck. You, whoever you are out there, you are awesome. And you're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM, news you can trust and music you love on 88.3 and 96.9 FM, uh, streaming online to wherever you are at WLIW.org slash radio. You got me breathing
Oh, yes. Totally hype edition of the heart this morning. Superpower tracks. They've got a superpower unto themselves. That's hybrid. In the light of the fearless record of 2018. Got a little Jake Schillingford and Nick Evans. It's a superpower from the Vox record of 2019. WLI, WFM. Long Island's only NPR radio station. I blamed myself for things I couldn't do. All those things I never felt. Believed I wasn't made for the fun nights just for two. Cause it was no one's true desire, no one should burn in fire, yeah. But I've been flying solo, and I've been feeling solo. It's all coming down on me. So lonely since forever
Superpower edition of the Heart Morning and Midnight Show on WLIWFM. Here's a question. At this point, you can participate, but we're going to do it one at a time. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Invisible. Invisible's a good one. I think that's Invisible's always my favorite because I think that'd be fresh. Like people, are like, dude, how was the Dodger game? Like it was tight, bro. Where'd you sit? <laughs> Second base, bro. I sat at second base. <laughs> Unbelievable. Invisible. It's a good one. Who else? Flying. Flying. Yeah, it's a good one. A to B. I get it. You know, I like that. Anybody else? X-ray vision. X-ray vision for the perv. Nice. <laughs> we know what you're about, buddy. Anyone else? Freeze time. That's one people say I don't understand because I don't know what it means. You just like watch this. <laughs> time frozen, but you don't have anyone to celebrate it with. You're all by yourself. You're like, I guess I'll turn it back on. And then you just turn it back on. And then everyone's like, hey, what's up? You're like, dude, I just froze time. Like, yeah, sure you did, bro. Sure you did. No one's going to believe you. Anybody else? Teleport. Teleport. Yourself? Yeah. Just boom, boom. Can you go to teleportation? Can you go to other times? Yes. Oh. All right. Take it easy, guy who knows every superpower. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't know that? Like, if you did know that, why wouldn't you have said it? Because I would have taken teleport if I had known that. Anybody else? Telekinesis. That's knowing what people mean? Ooh, that is nice. Moving things with your mind. Hey, pass the salt. People are like, oh my God! Then they try and do it back, and they just like throw it, and it just falls, and they're like, oh, I'm not as good as you. I had a guy one time say, the ability to change shapes. I was like, bro, I have no idea what that means. Like you show up at a bar to see your buddy, you're like, dude, you look different. You get a haircut? He's like, no, I'm a rhombus. Like, yeah, okay, I see it. I see it now. I was thinking triangle, but now I get it. My buddy and I got into an argument because I said invisible and he said fly, you know what I mean? And then he just wanted to bait it. I'd go with flight. That's the best one. No, nobody would say that. I'd not pick the best invisible. One. Invisibility. Mm, wow. That's the other side of the coin. The worst one. But once you fly, that's it. No, it's awesome. Oh, look at that guy. He's flying. Oh, I'll meet you in Michigan. That would be intense. Yeah. Fly next to planes. Be like, how you doing? Yeah. No movie on this flight. Just thumbs up. Yeah. I don't need a movie. I'm flying through Cumulonimbus. How about this for a rush? Imagine sneaking into someone's house and watching a family eat dinner. You don't think that'd be a rush? Just pinned up against the kitchen wall, wondering, hoping. <laughs> Kids eating pizza and orange juice. You're like, dude, that is too much acid, man. <laughs> that is. That's too much that's acid. That's too much. Uh, yeah, I know. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Go in the kids' room, grab a cabbage patch, bring it through the living room. People are freaking out. <laughs> you think there's a ghost in there? You have a god complex. Maybe. You want, you want to fly above the earth. Yeah, I just want to be closer. Here's my question. What happens when your superpower runs out? What are you going to do then? Hope I'm above water. Mm. Cannonball. What's the worst that's going to happen to me? 
I'm in some guy's living room watching a Monday night game, and all of a sudden, just boom, I'm there. No big deal. Just look over. I'm like, what's up, dude? You believe we lost this in the second quarter? What are we doing? The defense is out of control. And then he'd probably, you know, get up, and I'd have to run out. Yeah. And then you call.